You are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Thursday, December 8th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Today's California report looks into treatment of the decades-long trauma that continues to linger for immigrants who fled Cambodia and the brutal Khmer Rouge genocide. Here at home, a new psychological thriller, Twisted, was filmed in several Nevada County locations. After regional news and weather, KVMR's Nell Ingeren talks to the talent both behind and in front of the camera. We end with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. A new bill introduced this week would make it illegal for unhoused residents in California to sit or sleep in certain public spaces. The proposal is already drawing eerie from advocates who say it does little to solve homelessness. KQED's Aaron Baldessari explains. The number of people who spend their nights in tents or vehicles in California grew about 7 percent during the pandemic to more than 116,000 people. And now Republican State Senator Brian Jones says he wants to limit where people can be. His new bill, called SB 31, would prohibit sitting, sleeping or storing belongings in what he calls sensitive areas. That's anywhere within a thousand feet of schools, daycares, parks or libraries. My intent in this is to take one small step uh, just to protect particular areas of our communities so that families and children feel safe. The bill echoes recent legislation passed in Los Angeles, which bans camping within 500 feet of schools. But advocates say these rules create more distrust and instability for people experiencing homelessness. Shayla Myers is a senior attorney with the Legal Aid Foundation of Los Angeles. Criminalization, which is exactly what this proposed statute does, is a tried-and-true failed policy. In Los Angeles, fewer than 1 percent of people forced to leave encampments moved into permanent housing, according to recent data from the city's Homeless Services Authority. Myers is focusing on camping bans distracts legislators and the public from a larger question that unhoused people are asking. Which is, where can I go? That is the question we should be answering. For the California Report, I'm Aaron Baldessari. California is home to the largest population of Cambodians in the United States. Most Cambodians who first arrived in the country came as refugees in the 1980s. They were fleeing the communist Khmer Rouge regime, where an estimated 2 million Cambodians were killed through starvation, torture, execution, and much more. Forty years later, Cambodians in California are still grappling with mental health issues caused by this genocide. KVPR's Sarith Hawk looked into how this community is dealing with the trauma and what's being done to help them. She joins me now. Hi, Sarith. Hi. Thanks for having me. Of course. Sarith, you spoke to a few people who survived the Khmer Rouge regime and resettled in California. What was that journey like for them, and how have they tried to deal with the trauma? Yes, you know, it was a really harrowing journey, to say the least. I focused on one Fresno family, a brother and sister, about their memories from that time. Here's Danny Kim, who was born at the start of the regime. I was awakened by the uh, sound of shootings and people screaming. We don't know what war is because, you know, you, you grew up in the middle of it, so you thought that was normal. 
He says the sound was something he soon became used to as a child. His sister, Chinda Kim, was seven when the war started. She was put into forced labor with other children her age, digging and hauling dirt. Here she is describing one of her most painful memories at the time. I kept coughing up blood. I tried to walk. They said I wasn't worth anything if they kept me alive. Almost every Cambodian person is impacted in some way, whether they were born in Cambodia or the U.S. The conversation around mental health care is still really stigmatized, so a vast majority of people have never sought professional treatment at all. Yeah, you also have a personal connection to this history because your parents lived through the genocide. How has that shaped your life and how you deal with mental health? Yes, I am a child of survivors. Uh, My parents, my aunts, uncles, grandparents, family, friends all live through it. And, you know, maybe this characterizes the root of the problem. I never knew that getting mental health care to talk about this experience was something that was needed or even an option. And with your experience as an interpreter and through this reporting, what have you found are some of the biggest challenges that this community faces in getting help? You know, a lot of the people who directly experienced and survived the Khmer Rouge are older now, and for many, Cambodian is still their primary language. So if they do seek care, finding someone who can speak to them in Cambodian is always a challenge. So it's not just understanding the language, but also the culture. You know, there's a stigma around talking about this very dark time in their lives that many people just want to forget. Right. And are there efforts in California aimed at helping this community work through their traumas? If so, is it enough? That was really the light that I found in reporting for this series. Um, There's a program in Oakland that was really tailored for Cambodian refugees dealing with the trauma from the genocide. It's called the Center for Empowering Refugees and Immigrants, or CIRI. And I have to say, I've, I've never seen anything like it. And as someone who is Cambodian, I actually forgot that I was even in a clinical setting because it just felt like I was visiting a family friend's house. And then here in Fresno, you know, although there is a lack of culturally appropriate psychiatric care, there is a really vibrant Cambodian community here. And they cope with the trauma by focusing on culture that's in events like the Cambodian night market, which I talked about throughout the series. It's modeled after the night markets that operate in parts of Cambodia. That was KVPR Sarith Hawk. Her series on mental health in the Cambodian community was produced as a project for the USC Annenberg Center for Health Journalism's 2022 California Fellowship. You can find it at kvpr.org. The Interior Department finalized the sale of offshore wind leases along California's coast yesterday, with combined bids totaling more than $750 million. KQED's climate editor Kevin Stark reports. In more than 30 rounds over the course of two days, developers bid for five lease areas northwest of Morro Bay and off the coast of Humboldt. The highest bid was over $173 million. Stephanie McClellan is the executive director of the offshore wind nonprofit Turn Forward. She says the companies are well known in the fledgling offshore wind industry. California West Coast offshore wind is off to the races. These are established players. The leases are in good hands. The feds estimate the floating turbines off California's coast could create thousands of new jobs and power more than one and a half million homes. For the California Report, I'm Kevin Stark. Support for the California Report comes from Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com slash CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. 
Stanford Healthcare, where their greatest reward is a healthy patient. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. And that's the California Report for Thursday, December 8th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. In regional news, today at noon, Ubinet.com hosted a virtual town hall with county public health and a panel of local doctors to address rising numbers of respiratory illness in Nevada County. The overarching message of the event was an early flu season and increasing COVID cases are affecting capacity at Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital. If you think you have COVID or the flu, contact your primary care physician or urgent care or go to the county testing site. Avoid the hospital emergency room, which is being overwhelmed. Dr. Sherilyn Cook, Nevada County's public health officer, said the current daily county case rate for COVID is about 12 per 100,000 people. However, Cook's guess is that due to non-testing and home testing, the actual case numbers are likely 10 times that number. Dr. Roger Hicks of Ubidoc said the urgent care provider is seeing a dramatic rise in both COVID and flu, which both have symptoms of cough, fever, and runny nose. He noted that antiviral treatment is available for both infections, but is most effective if started early. The panel's bottom line advice, get vaccinated, get your flu shot, wear a mask, wash your hands, and stay home if you feel sick. Tyler Hill, the chief medical officer at the hospital, noted that hospitalizations have increased for COVID and the flu, and also for RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, which is most dire for children and the elderly. The county testing site on Colfax Avenue in Grass Valley is open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It tests for COVID and flu and prescribes the antiviral Paxlovid on site. Turning to the regional forecast from the National Weather Service, expect moderate mountain snow and valley and foothill rain through early Friday, followed by increasing rain and snow and nearly impossible mountain travel late Friday through the weekend. In Nevada City and Grass Valley this evening, expect showers with a low of 36 and winds of up to 24 miles per hour. New precipitation amounts of up to three quarters of an inch are possible. Friday will be cloudy with a chance of showers and a high near 43. Friday night, expect showers, a low around 37, and wind with gusts as high as 26 miles per hour. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe tonight, snow showers are likely with a low of 19 and winds around 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. New snow accumulation of up to 3 inches is possible. Friday will bring scattered snow showers with a high near 31 and a low of 21. It will be breezy with wind gusts as high as 35 miles per hour. Tonight in Sacramento and Woodland, showers, a low of 41, and wind gusts as high as 22 miles per hour. Friday will be cloudy with a chance of showers and a high near 54. Friday night, showers are likely with a low in the mid-40s and winds of up to 13 miles per hour. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Sunday evening at the Del Oro Theater in Grass Valley, you can see a screening of the new film, Twisted. 
a psychological thriller about a mother and daughter, Twisted was filmed in Nevada County with local residents both behind and in front of the camera. KVMR's Nell Ingeren talked to the Twisted filmmakers about how our community came together to make this intriguing film. Today in the KVMR studios, we're talking with the key players in an exciting new film, a thriller called Twisted. With us are the film's director and co-writer, Vibeka Moasha, the co-star and co-producer, Karen Lee Sharp, and the director of photography, Val Camp. Both Karen and Val are longtime Nevada County residents, and Vibeka is joining us by phone from her home in Copenhagen, Denmark. So welcome, everyone. Hey. Hey, Good I'm excited morning. to talk to you all about Twisted because not only is it set here in the Sierra foothills, but was actually filmed here uh, in this area that we all know and love. Before we get to that, let's start with what this movie is about and how it came into being. So Vibeka, let's start with you. What inspired you to write this script? So the inspiration behind it was my own teenage years where obviously I had this bonding with this very fragile mother who um, who who became paranoid and thought that everybody was out to get us and get her and so forth. I took a, a long time to find out what why do I want to do this movie and why a thriller? Why not just a drama about this, like one-to-one? But I've made this film because I hope that young women and boys they will watch this and see their own need for relinquishing themselves from a parent who is not able to be a parent to them and they, the child, becomes a parent. It's really not about what does young Hannah do. It really is about how does she realize what's actually going on in time and go see the movie to find out. So many thrillers that we're used to seeing are focused on male versus female uh, violence or threat, but you've called Twisted a female-driven thriller, which makes it unusual. And you also have said that it's a small community of women here in the Sierra that have brought this film into being. So I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about that. Who is involved locally? The amazing world-class actress uh, who lives in the Sierra Mountains, Karen Lee Sharp. You know, Karen sent in, Karen Lee Sharp sent in her casting tape and I sent it to my Danish producer, Lena Borglum, who's done, you know, Drive and Only God Forgives and all these big movies that goes to Cannes and wins the Golden Palm. And um, and she just called me back and she goes, she is incredible. Who is she? And I don't want to say it in this uh, radio program, but I had A-list female actresses attached to the film. And we were looking for financing, financing. And my producer and I, we were like, listen, let's take the little money we have and go to the Sierra Mountains because there is Karen Lee Sharp. And then in return, Karen was like, listen, I live up here. You should come here and, and you should check out our locations they are truly amazing. Twisted has come about with, I think, about 15 women, and then Val Camp and his assistant. It, it really is a, a community project. It is really incredible. Um, what, you know, the, the local doctor, the local nurse, the local sheriff, really the community came together, and together we made this film. 
I said, Vib, let's uh, let's shoot it here because it's way better than um, Auburn. <laughs> Nothing against Auburn. And so, and plus, yes, we have so many wonderful community resources with people who love the arts in our community. So the entire film was was filmed locally. Yep. We Nothing did. in a studio. No, we were at private residences. Um, we were on. Um, we did shoot in Auburn at the courthouse. Yes. And so, Val, what was it like filming here locally? It was a little challenging crew-wise. I had to get um, not only I had Cayman Hodges was um, is a local um, cameraman here, and I was able to bring him in as my first assistant to uh, pull focus for me. And um, but I didn't have any grip in electric, so. What I did was um, I was able to recruit um, Case Scott and uh, Wyatt Miller, who didn't know anything about production or filmmaking at all, and um, kind of gave them a crash course in in what I needed. And they came through amazingly. <laughs> it was amazing what they were able to pick up in, in a short period of time. We shot in some downtown Nevada City areas and we did shoot again and down in Auburn and we were up in Allegheny was another um, local spot that we shot in. Ben Franklin's in the yes, fabric in ben, department. Yeah, we yeah. had a doctor's office. I'm trying not to name names because I don't know that people necessarily want their names mentioned. Historic downtown house in the county. Uh, yeah. My house, my bathroom, um, <laughs> my bathtub. That's a truly low-budget film, when you film in your own bathroom. <laughs> we also filmed in a in a historic a hunting cabin, which used to be a brothel out in the... Yeah, Bear Valley. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. an old hunting cabin, and that was really cool with Doug, our friend Doug. And he gave us full permission, bought him a six-pack of beer, and we were good to go. <laughs> Those are Nevada County rates. Yeah. I give you a six pack of beer and you can film in my location. Yeah. I, I'd like to throw to Karen now because uh, in so many ways, she's the focal point of this film. And you play the mother who's named Sylvia and you co-star with Madeline Masson who's been mentioned who plays your daughter, Hannah. So I'm wondering as an actor, what was compelling to you about playing this part? The people that watch this trailer and people who love psychological thrillers and let's make the point this is not a horror film this is a psychological thriller it's smart and and i have so many people who tell me i love this genre because that's this happens to be my genre it's my genre too it's I my favorite love it <laughs> because you have to think it's uncomfortable it's not fluffy and it's layered and you have to get in there and really sort of dissect it as you watch it and how is it being received what feedback have you gotten Beb? we're waiting to see <laughs> So we have yeah. Amazon Prime, Tubi, iTunes, and a couple of others who will be streaming it on their platforms. It's and so I amazing. believe you have a local event? Screening on December 11th at the Del Oro. We're dressing up, excited to launch it uh, with about 350 people on that big screen in Grass Valley, December 11th at 7 p.m. We've been discussing the new film, Twisted, a thriller, a psychological thriller. That is not only set here in the Sierra foothills, but was filmed here with great local support, both in front of and behind the camera. And I want to thank my guests, the film's director and co-writer, Vivica Mwasha, the co-star and co-producer, Karen Lee Sharp, and the director of photography, Val Camp, the Picasso of the Sierra foothills.
It's been great talking to all of you today. Thanks for being here at KVMR. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. To hear more about how members of our community helped to bring the film Twisted to life, go to the podcast section of the KVMR website to stream or download our full interview with the filmmakers. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. Lately, I've been asking myself questions that begin with, what if? I just got tired of framing my thoughts to myself using the verb should, as in, you really should put the wet laundry that's been in the machine for three days into the dryer. Hearing should makes me react immediately with, no way, I'm busy, don't tell me what to do. Eventually, I work around to doing whatever it is, but it might take some time, and meanwhile, the wet laundry has molded. So I decided to see if open-ended questions instead of judgment would have a different effect, and the change has been a rousing success. Asking a question prompts my mind to ditch the attitude and come up with answers. What if you dried that three-day-old wet laundry? Leads me to, well, let's see, it wouldn't mold, and I could wear my black pants tonight, and I like folding laundry, and so forth. My heart fills with possibility instead of resistance, and life rolls along much more smoothly. Some learned person once said that what you resist persists. Often when I hear this phrase, I'm so beguiled by how similar resist and persist sound that I ignore the larger meaning, a poet's type of distraction. But today I'm thinking about the meaning and looking at my resistances. They are numerous, but there is one at the top of the list that outweighs, you should pardon the phrase, all the rest, being fat. The way I resist being fat is to not accept it. I don't want to be fat, and I didn't used to be fat, and I don't want anyone to think I'm fat. I sashay around as if I'm not fat, and the whole production is a great big sham because whenever I look at myself in a mirror, I'm horrified at my size. What if, instead... I started to state the truth once in a while, just as an experiment. Here, I'll try it with you. I'm fat. Everyone who sees me knows that I'm fat. I didn't used to be fat, it's true, but I am now. No matter how beautifully I dress, how graceful my carriage, and how sweet my smile, no matter how good my poems are, I'm fat. F-A-T, fat. The first thing that pops into my mind is, So? That is not what I usually hear. I usually hear, you shouldn't be fat. It's not good to be fat. People won't like you if you're fat. Men won't be attracted to you. You'll die young. You clearly don't have any self-control. Fat is disgusting. You should be ashamed of yourself. Aha. You should be ashamed of yourself. You know what? That is a total crock. I may be fat, and I may be single, and I may earn less money than your average busboy. But one thing I am not is ashamed of myself. All I do all day long is try to be as kind and compassionate and productive and creative and truthful as I know how. These are not things to be ashamed of. These are things to celebrate. If what we resist persists, then it figures that what we accept dissipates, right? I'll let you know if I lose any weight, now that I'm fat. 
Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for Thursday, December 8th. KVMR Community Radio gets support from HBE Rentals since 1994, offering equipment rentals for contractors, homeowners, and businesses. Open daily and reminding listeners, equipment rental is an environmentally sustainable option. HBE Rentals information at gohbe.com. And MEC Builds. Nevada County Roofing Contractor with over 20 years of experience, providing complete roofing services, gutter products, sun tunnels, and skylights. The showroom is at 316 Colfax Avenue in Grass Valley, mecbuilds.com. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Join us Friday evening for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.